and this is where I'm going to give my dire prediction, and then I'll pass the inflation conversation on to you. Mm. I have a dire prediction. A prediction. A dire prediction. It's it's actually seriously not a, a happy one. We are. I'm going to say it. We're going to have civil war and not here in North Africa. We're going to have civil war and famine uh, this year, probably yes. starting in about six months. Once more unto the breach, dear friends. Else fill the wall up with our English dead. Good morning again, or uh, again, good morning for the first time, unless you, somebody else is good morning to you. Well, good morning anyway from the personal wealth coach. This is Jake McClure, and on the line with me I have... Jeff McClure. We didn't say our names together. Just we're, well, you we're could not say, tempting fate. We could say, on the line with us today, we have Jake and Jeff McClure. McClure. Wow, we did it. Yeah, we can we say it. our names. We're we're getting right. good at this. Something else has to change to break our supply chain of unison. Uh-oh. It's going to have to happen. Don't challenge worse. Yeah, there's always worse. Uh, this is the personal wealth coach. There's always better, too. Um, well, I'm not saying you should find something better than the personal wealth coach because we think we're pretty good. But there is always better. Uh, we are to talk to you this week about, and every week, about economics, about the market, about what's happening in the world and what it means to you. But before we do that, we have to disclose, which is like saying open, but talk about legal stuff is very rarely open sounding. So we're going to call it not closed instead. So here are our disclosures. Number one. We don't pay for this radio program, nor are we paid to do this radio program. We do, however, the firm, the personal wealth coach, does buy advertisement with the studio in partnership to promote the radio program. They also do their own promotion of the radio program. Um, the personal wealth coach is an SEC-registered investment advisory firm. But this radio program doesn't offer investment advice. Investment advice is in the best interest of the client. It's fiduciary. There's privacy restrictions. And it's really hard to do that on the radio. So what do we do instead? We're giving educational information. We're going to talk to you about what stuff means and how to prepare for things like what is inflation and how do you prepare for it? Um, stuff like that. Uh, but not what you should buy today or sell today. That's, you should probably not be taking that from the radio anywhere. Okay. You want to give the next one? Well, let's see. I what did say we're SEC one? registered, so you can talk about how they don't. Okay. We are, we are registered with the United States Securities and Exchange Commission, the, the personal wealth coach as an investment advisory firm. But that doesn't mean the SEC, which is short for the Securities and Exchange Commission. Right. Very short. Approves of us or disapproves us or anything else. It simply means that they are our regulatory agency. And it doesn't mean we're special because we're registered with the SEC. It wait, just means. Wait, your wife is my mom and she said I'm special my whole you're life. You're special, but it has I'm nothing to do with special. the SEC. 
You can be uh, in my there, special person club too, if you'd want. There is a rule that the SEC has that says if a, an investment advisory firm, and that's what we are, has less than $100 million under management, then the state regulate them. And if it's over $100 million under management, then the SEC jumps in there and does the regulation. And that's all it says about us. Yeah. Um, you, we are, as Jake said, providing education, not investment advice on this radio program. You're going to do and the information that we use to, the information we use to provide that education has been obtained. This is passive. We have obtained it from sources we deem to be reliable, but we make no warranty or guarantee as to its accuracy or completeness. Now, we, one week, we've been missing a disclosure. Prices may be higher or lower when bought than when sold. Uh, prices may be higher or lower before you buy them than at the time you buy them as well. Share prices. We, we're not recommending you buy anything, but we, it's always in there someplace. You know, the share prices may be lower or higher when sold than when bought. Peanut butter prices may also be higher or lower before or after purchase. If you intend to resell the peanut butter, please do not open it first. Yes. We well, have some more we're actually in pretty good shape on peanuts. Peanuts are good. Yeah. Because we are the number one supplier of peanuts in the world. Yes. And we don't have a lot of competition. And one of the main reasons is the rest of the world doesn't eat a lot of peanuts. So that's one of the few commodities that are not being affected by the invasion of Ukraine. Peanuts. Peanuts. Enjoy your peanuts. Now, if, you, if Russia invaded Alabama, we'd be in a world of hearth. A world of hearth? Hurt. Hurt, yes. Yeah, because that would damage the peanut butter crop. The peanut crop. Jimmy Carter Sphere. would not be happy about that. Right. King about today. Uh, you said you had a whole bunch of stuff, so I want to give you uh, your opportunity to jump in here with your... You said you had some rather big ones. I've got some as well. What would you like well, to start with today? Oil was the big one, but I, there's another there's another issue coming, and Jake mentioned it last hour, and I think it's important to recognize something. Yeah, Russia produces a lot of oil, but and oil is a tight market, meaning a little bit of change in oil supply is going to make a big difference uh, in price, but not a huge difference in price. And we can slide through this one. I don't think there's going to be a problem. Jake mentioned something that's even more critical, I think, that's and that is the fact that Ukraine and Russia together supply about 25% of the world's wheat and corn. That's big. They are the equivalent of the uh, all the Arab oil exporting countries' percentage of oil is Ukraine and Russia. Now, we're for, the Saudi for Arabia for, of the for world. For grains, uh, yeah. For yeah. grains. We're kind of the Saudi Arabia of the world for grains. But the problem between oil and grains, historically at least, well, I'll give you an example. The developed countries around the world outside of Russia have said, hey, we're going to release a bunch of oil, you know, like 60 million barrels of oil, which sounds like a lot until you realize that Russia was exporting 4.5 billion per day. And you get to 60 pretty quickly that way. So we can do something about the price of oil. We can do something about production of oil relatively quickly, bringing more grain producing ground into play. So we can plant more grain and have more grain in the world, presuming that Russia and Ukraine stop exporting grain, which is a big assumption. It's going to take a while. Yeah, it, we, you, you can only plant this is, this wheat is bad. two different, I mean, you can plant wheat really three different times in the year. The spring or right before the winter, before the ground 
gets frozen and then it won't germinate during the winter. But generally, there's just two times that you plant. You can have your winter crop and your spring crop. But and if, if you're not planted yet and it's done, then you can't, you have to wait till next time. It has to grow in the right cycle. Here's the issue. If Russia takes Ukraine and we embargo buying things from Russia and by definition, then Ukraine, because Russia took it, you got to find someplace else to plant wheat. And that is a hard thing to do in the world. Most of the ground where wheat and corn grow well is now growing wheat and corn. Yes, we can start planting wheat and corn in areas that are less productive, but it's relatively inefficient to do so. It's kind of like when oil went from $30 a barrel to $100 a barrel that became effective and we found a new way of fracking, uh, a new way of producing oil, but it still took a couple of decades to do that. We basically have the ability over time through technological advances to create more wheat and corn, a lot more wheat and corn, for example, in the United States. But it's going to cause a lot of people who do not like genetically modified wheat and corn to have fits because the only way we can do that is modify the wheat and corn so it produces more wheat and corn. And here's the other one. And you mentioned something about the fertilizer plant I blowing up. I was about to say fertilizer is a major, major export from Russia is fertilization. And that's going away now. Fertilizer is mainly made from natural gas. Russia has a lot of natural gas, a lot more natural gas than they can get rid of. They make it into fertilizer, and they're the number one fertilizer supplier on the planet. We would take a long time to catch up with them. Yeah, we've and limited. That is where we that have is limited fertilizers. Impact. Yeah, most and, most countries have limited their fertilization, uh, the, their fertilizer manufacturing, because it's really explosive, and a lot of people die making it. So we've limited it, and Russia's not. They've they've been producing a lot of it. Uh, well, now it's if we had more people, <laughs> we're, everybody's busy right now. But th there are some tremendous opportunities here uh, for fertilizer production because this is something relatively permanent. There's nothing. There's no such thing as permanent when it comes to relationships with other countries. Uh, we have another question. Oh, Roger. good. Good question. With all that is going on with oil, do you feel that we'll push countries in Europe more towards nuclear power? Yes. Well, Russia, Germany, for example, and across Europe, they have a lot of nuclear power plants, and they're gradually phasing them out. France is phasing of, in more, and Germany is phasing them out. You know, the, basically, the environmentalists, the Green Party, was pushing to get rid of the nuclear power plants because nuclear is, quote, bad, end quote. I suspect it will reverse very nicely. Now, I think they'll have more, more wind farms, and there'll be a lot of other things going on. I think Ger Germany in particular just woke up. They were dependent. They were gasifying, literally, that's what they called it, gasifying Germany's power production. They were going to go to electric cars powered by gas from Russia, uh, not gasoline, but natural gas from Russia. And they've just changed their mind rather dramatically, and I suspect they will shift gears rather dramatically, as I suspect we will see in the United States. A lot of people don't know this, but um, Bill, the Gates Foundation paid for the research to create very, very safe nuclear power plants, ultra-safe nuclear power plants that could go in everywhere at a relatively low cost. And of course, the environmentalists didn't like that. Because nuclear is, quote, bad, end quote. 
Uh, I suspect we're going to change our attitude about that. There's a lot of good things that are long-term, I think, will come out of $100-plus per gallon, not per gallon, heaven forbid, per barrel oil. And I think, among other things, our productivity will go up. I think we will leap forward into some new technologies. It's not a good thing in the short term, and people. It, but there's one last thing I'd like to say that's important. I just want to add this one piece to this right What's here. If you, it's in the same subject because we're talking about France. We're talking about Germany. Uh, President Macron. Uh, Macron. <laughs> I'm sorry. My French accent always has a laugh at the end of it. Um, it's from learning it through commercials and, and um, cartoons. Uh, it, on February 14th, before the world changed, before Russia actually invaded, uh, the president of France was talking about the nuclear future for France and talking about we need 60% more electricity uh, in 10 years from today because the majority of new cars on the road will be electric and we don't have the capability of charging up that many cars. We need more electricity. And they are. he basically said during the speech that they're extending the operation of existing reactors without compromising safety. There's quotes around that in, in Europe. That's very important. And the launch of a program of new reactors. Um, so they've got a, a whole series, four new reactors that were announced right there before they had a problem with Russian oil. Now they have a rough problem with Russian oil on top of it. You would, it would not surprise me to see eight new reactors coming online. I want to answer... Roger's second question, then I want to go on something related to what you just said. Okay. Roger also wanted to know, with the rising percentage of electric vehicles, how long before the ethanol market goes bust? I would like it to go bust immediately. Well, um, well this is this is Because the really... price of corn is going to go up dramatically, yeah. and we need to produce all the corn we can for corn, not to put in this gas is, tanks. If Congress is listening right now, this is the perfect time to remove the ethanol thing and the gasoline. Because prices yes. are going to be up. If you do it today, it won't hurt the farmers. They're going to get more money this year anyway. Yeah. So take that ethanol thing. It'll make our cars run better. <laughs> and what it's doing to corn prices is stupid. It's, we're already energy independent. And that was the effort with the ethanol. It was an ineffective effort. It took very different measures of in Saudi Arabia and in Russia to cause us to produce fracking the way we did, not ethanol. So let's and, get ethanol, ethanol gone. It will also lower the cost of gasoline because that, that 15% ethanol raises the cost per gallon. Right. Um, the, the other thing I wanted to mention, you know who is the world's largest producer of uranium? Uh, is it in Uranus? No. No, that's a world. I was just thinking. That no. wasn't very nice. Yeah, was, no, no. What is it? Russia. Oh my goodness! They produce nuclear stuff in Russia. They have How could the largest be? uranium mines and the greatest. They produce the majority of the world's uranium. Could we catch up on that? Yes, absolutely. We have a lot of uranium. We just don't like to dig it up. We don't like to dig holes in the ground in the United States. We prefer somebody else dig the hole in the ground. But I suspect that will change too. A lot of things I think are about to change. This will be one of those hinge points in history that people read about for a long time. Not only uranium, palladium, palladium, platinum, uh, gold, um, neon, believe it or not, is critical for the palladium and neon are critical to make chips. And the number one producer of palladium and neon in the world 
is Russia. The number one producer of titanium in the world is Russia. They only are 1.78% of the world economy. But that 1.78% is almost all in commodities. And we need to shift gears. Wheat, oil, rare metals, and radioactive metals. And we need to, it's time to shift. In the, the bottom line to it is the Cold War is back. The world is divided. And, it, and until Russia, until and if Russia establishes a truly democratic government with a constitution that they'll stick to, they have just done something terrible to themselves, which has proved themselves to be an unreliable supplier. Putin has done an amazing job, not of destroying Ukraine. He's, that's pretty obvious. He is in the process of devastating Russia. The danger is, and this is the thing I think I'm not the only one afraid of. Yeah. Uh, one of the think tanks that I follow strategically said that the possibility of a nuclear exchange has gone up for the first time since the Cold War to 10%. Yeah. Russia is a tiny economy, relatively speaking, in a world of hurt that's going to get a lot worse. They would have to mobilize their entire armed forces to take and hold Ukraine. And at that point, they could go to a total war footing and proceed to march on the rest of the world, waving their nuclear stick. If that happens, then it's time to get nervous. A nuclear exchange has gone from unthinkable to thinkable for the first time. Since in the half a century. Cold War. It's not half yeah. a century. I remember being afraid of it in my childhood. Because well, half a century ago, we were uh, in the Cold War. Yeah. Well, shorter than that, too. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. But um, this is that's one of the reasons people are saying, you know, I, I, I've read comments saying, why isn't President Biden getting more forceful with them? And it's fabulous seeing a no-fly zone. Folks, the Russians shot a few nuclear-tipped, nuclear-capable weapons into the air just to prove they could a couple of weeks ago to remind the world that they can drop nukes on anybody in the world and get away with it. Yeah, they shot a couple of ICBMs up toward the pole, uh, right in the buildup of toward the war with Ukraine when they were still calling them drills. And they said, look, we can do this, ha-ha! Isn't that great? We can shoot these things and they actually took off and they, they went up in the air and they came back down where we wanted them to. And that was not a, a blind statement. He said that for a reason. Uh, when he's put the military on special orders, it means that there are nuclear warheads on airplanes ready to take off right now. And that's not a good place to be in. It means that we are probably at a very high alert level as well on our nuclear side. By probably, we don't release that information. Putin was saying it as a threat, but he can look at the satellites that they still have up and see that we prepared for that eventuality. That's just something we do as a nation. So, I mean, the danger, this, this is... It sounds dire again. Worst case scenario is Russia doesn't retreat and stays bogged down in Ukraine and then starts dropping baby nuke. Because at some point we have to react to that. Uh, you, those are the unthinkable thing and you can't just use them because you want to take a country. Uh, we, there's a really nice parallel to Ukraine that's not used very often. Because as soon as you say Chechnya, the Russian... Um, statements about what happened there are really the only news. But Chechnya 
was an independent nation just like Ukraine and a lot of the other countries right after the fall of the Soviet Union. They established themselves as, the, as their own nation, the same way a lot of the other countries did. And the Russians didn't like it. And they said, we're going to invade you. And they did. And guess what? They ran into a lot more resistance than they expected. They lost about 5,000 troops and they retreated out of Chechnya. And they said, whoa, we're, that was worse than we thought. We kicked a beehive. That's not cool. A couple of years later, a couple of big buildings exploded in Russia. They blamed the Chechens and they sent in the troops and basically flattened all the cities. They said, you're giving us a problem in taking you. We're just going to flatten the cities and then we'll take you. And they worked out deals with people in the Chechen military to switch sides by paying them money. So Ukraine's got a parallel, except the Russians in Chechnya didn't have the entire world watching them retreat. Russia's, I mean, Putin's painted himself into the corner here. He's done this for the face of it, for the prestige of it, as much as the fact that he could take the, the wheat and grain of Ukraine. Uh, the, the same thing I said earlier about Saudi Arabia not taking the phone call from Biden, saying this is our opportunity to make some money off of this. And I can pull in another uh, parallel that sounds like an, an absurd one at first, Facebook meta. Facebook was founded as a social media company. It became the largest social media company. And it, when it was at that point, it didn't know how to make money at it yet. They went public, it figured out how to make money at it, and then they started reading the writing on the wall, on their wall, on their face wall, something. They were reading the writing that was saying their subscribers were not growing as fast. So, all right, all right, we'll just try to get them to stay on longer. Oh, that's successful. We did that for a while. Well, last year was the first year, or this year, beginning of this year, was the first year it was announced that not only are the subscribers not as not growing, the people that are on are spending slightly less time on than they were before. So they changed the name of the company. They said, we're meta now. We're going to get into the metaverse. We're going to try something new because if we don't, this thing might not make it. Oil and gas has the writing on the wall, not because oil and gas is dirty, not for ecological reasons, though those are important and people will point them out as we convert over to electrical use. The reality is it's cheaper and more, far more cost effective, far more quality over time to go to electricity. That takes time to do. It takes, it takes technology. Um, for instance, we cannot make our airlines run on electricity right now. We, there's just no way that we have uh, electric engines that can run at the speed of a jet. So it's not going away tomorrow. But as a commodity that is the one that everyone needs, it's becoming less and less. So what else do they have? Well, they have wheat. Well, who's their neighbor that's also their major competitor in wheat? Well, Ukraine. Why don't they take that whole market? So as a reason for why to go to Ukraine, taking their wheat production is maybe 100% of the reason why Putin did this. Uh, if, if they would just give him money, he might not have done it. But now we're talking about ransom. And you have something that you wanted to say. Well, there's a couple of things. First, that electricity has to be generated by something. Right. right now, natural gas is the cleanest way and the most widest, most widespread way of generating the electricity 
we've got to move to something else. We eventually it'll be fusion. We're not there yet. But it's coming closer. There are multiple projects in the fusion world that have sustained reactions that have produced more power than it took to make them. Unfortunately, which, they only last a few minutes before everything gets too hot. Right. And because they're made extra small. But it was proof of concepts, which, hey, we can do this. We can create more power than it takes to make out of fusion and the uh, technology is only going to get better there. I, you know, people have been saying fusion is five years out for the last 50 years. Mm, 20. But, uh, but the, but the reality is that we've actually got working prototypes at this point. So it's going to occur. It's going to happen. The technology is there and it's not just one version of the technology. There are a lot of competing fusion companies that are all getting good results so that's the future is good we've got to make some changes now well russia is in the middle of saying what changes do i need to make because fusion is coming and electric cars are coming and well what does that leave us with wheat well let's get some more wheat yeah germany's justification for invading ukraine which they did also was to get the food because it, because the economic sanctions that had been thrown against Germany kept them from importing enough food to survive, so they invaded Ukraine. Need more of the same. This is this is kind of scary, folks. Um, fortunately, and by the way, another thing that's happening right now that we've never seen before: we have never seen this broad a set of economic sanctions directed at a country in the history of the world. From this many other countries, I mm -hmm. mean, this is a unification of groups that have never been unified we took switzerland from being neutral switzerland has been neutral for like 600 years and they're like oh no not for this one this is this is a big event this is a change from everything that we have seen before as far as the response to it now it could all go away if russia peters out and becomes a failed nation all of our newly established links and friendships go away with it but as long as they're there, NATO has a reason for existing and probably the economy of Europe is going to start booming because when you're afraid, you work harder. And that's a statement of reality. We can see it throughout history. When you have a big enemy on your border, you're going to produce more. Some of it's going to be defense related, but other things as well. The world's changed. It's changed in a lot of ways. By the way, there's another earth-shaking change other than Switzerland. Finland has maintained neutrality with regard to Russia. Since the Ever invasion since by Russia the Soviet invaded Union. <laughs> yeah. Finland and took part of it. And the deal that the Soviet Union cut with Finland is you maintain strict neutrality and we won't invade the rest of you. But uh, it's they're debating in Finland right now, changing their neutrality and joining NATO, yeah. which would drive Putin completely bonkers. Uh, and And I think... This is one of those watershed points in the history of the world that high school students will be reading about 100 years from now. It's trying a critical point in time. Trying to memorize who, who was the president, who was the vice president that made what? And she laughed in a press conference. Nope, they're not going to teach that part. Too little. So they'll try to memorize the name of the president, probably get it wrong. Um, but this is that level of historical change. It is big. You could even skip the AL at the end of historical and say historic. If you want something interesting, at least for me, and I realize that this is not 
totally politically correct what I'm about to say, so please don't get angry at me. Google Finland's prime minister, Sanna Marin, and take a look at her, and you will see that there's a new generation involved. When you're at it, by the way, you might want to Google New Zealand's prime minister. Yeah. They don't look at all like prime ministers. Um, well, from your youth, youth, you you need to be careful about. <laughs> they look like prime ministers to anybody that elected them. You're right, right. Uh, but there's a whole new generation coming along, and things are changing, and they're changing rather rapidly. And in the end, I think it'd be good. You're talking about Russia becoming a failed state. That's one of my nightmare scenarios. By yeah, the way. because they're a, a failed they, state with a lot of nuclear weapons. Between the United States and Russia, that's ninety percent of the nuclear weapons on the planet. And if Russia becomes a failed state, that's not good. So the best case scenario for the world isn't necessarily the best case scenario for Ukraine, which is horrible because this is bad acting, but best case scenario, hopefully is Russia retreats and says, Oh, sorry about that, everybody. But can you really imagine that happening? Oh, oh that was more than I could chew. Sorry about that. Ukraine. We're going to just kind of back on out of here. Sorry, everybody. Sorry. Sorry. We're done. That's not, probably in the cards. As a matter of fact, Russia, at least according to the Stockholm International Peace Research Institute, has 6,255 nuclear warheads, whereas the U.S. has 5,550. That's scary. A lot of, uh, it's not a few. They have a lot. Yeah. Um, So, So the stakes are high here. And we said this on the air during the negotiation phase prior to the, the war where people were saying, let's bring out the nuclear auction and talk about the SWIFT system. And my response to that immediately was, no, that's not the nuclear option. The nuclear option is the nuclear option. Let's make sure that we're not using the word wrong because nobody thinks that it will happen because nobody thought Ukraine would be invaded either. Except, as a side note, uh, you did say we had a 90% chance of invasion. I did. Uh, at the same time that most people were saying, oh, it's not going to happen. So the reality is this is a tough scenario and there's not a lot of ways to ease out of this. Um, But getting us, the United States, involved in Ukraine would be a really bad idea because it changes the stakes. It changes what Russia will do. This is like dealing with a crazy person. How How do we do this? Um, I'm glad I'm not in charge. That's all I have to say. Well, a good friend of mine who is a retired army colonel and I were discussing this the other day and he said something I completely agreed with. And it's a good time to be old and no longer on active duty. Yeah. Um, it's not a fun looking thing out there. Let's talk about one other thing before we break for commercials. Okay. If I could. Yeah, let's do it. In the midst of all this, it's important to remember that the United States economy is currently running at about the fastest rate it can run, given current constraints. It is spun up to maximum speed. It has maximum momentum. And there's still a lot of cash out there that didn't used to be there in people's pockets. We mentioned this in the newsletter, but it's very important. The net worth of American households is now in excess of $150 trillion. Now, we're not counting the government. We're not counting, um, well, the publicly traded corporations are included in that because the stock is owned by those households. 
But even after taking into account inflation and every other thing you want to do to deflate that number, this is the wealthiest the United States has ever been by a long shot. We are by far, far, far the wealthiest nation on the planet. We have the most cash reserves. We have the most efficient economy. The average American worker is about, depending on the numbers you read, four to it's actually four to six times as productive as the average Chinese worker. Uh, their population has peaked probably and is starting downhill. We could screw it up. We could easily screw it up. And one of the weaknesses we have right now is that it's hurting our economy to some degree is a lack of immigration. We have over the last uh, eight or nine years restricted immigration into the United States. And as a result, we're, we're starting to feel a shortage of people, qualified people to work and even common laborers to work in the United States. And it's hurting our economy. But it's important to remember in the midst of all these bad things that could happen and are happening, that the United States is by any measure you want to make the strongest, wealthiest, fastest growing, and I want to say that fastest growing again, nation on the planet. China has set a GDP growth goal this year of 5.5%. There is nearly unanimous agreement among economists. They will not make it. Yeah. Just this. Now, how, how much ours will grow after inflation? I don't know. But as Jake mentioned earlier, the number two wheat supplier in the world and corn supplier in the world is the United States of America. With Russia out of the circuit, it's going to hurt us temporarily, but we will be able to step in and fill those gaps in all likelihood and become a bigger supplier, a bigger exporter. It, it is something that I read at the end of the, of the 1990s in The Economist. The 20th century was been, has been called the American century. But in The Economist, there was an article said, no, it'll be the 21st century that is the American century. And I completely agree with that. We do. And I agree with that as well. China's got some issues going on right now. They, expected, they expect to have a 5.5% GDP this year. But something that's being lost in the headlines right now is the Chinese are experiencing a pretty bad outbreak in multiple places of COVID. The zero tolerance policy is still in effect. Hong Kong is essentially shut down right now and several other 10 million plus population cities are shut down, just stop. And it's not really preventing the spread in those cities. It's just hopefully keeping it from going farther out, but we've got a city that big. They're in some trouble economically as well. Uh, we've heard about the real estate bubble there and how many of the big real estate development companies are on the rocks and they've had to um, finagle different ways of paying back their debt. A major steel company in China, uh, the major supplier of nickel to the world, uh, is working out a deal with the Chinese government to prevent them from going bankrupt because they owe a bunch of debt, mostly from foreign investment mostly the dollar denominated. And in order to get the money to do it with, they've got to do something. So they have, in essence, gotten a loan from the Treasury of China, which required them to move their high-quality nickel stockpiles to the Chinese government facility. 
and receive instead lower quality steelmaking material from the government. This is how they're getting out of their debt is by lowering the quality of what they're manufacturing so that they can make some money so that they can pay back their debts without going bankrupt. But this is a Chinese government-sponsored deal. That's the answer to pay back the debt, just give them lower quality stuff. That's not good long-term. They're the number one steel supplier of the world right now, and if not just this one company, but China in general, Tata Steel in, in particular is the number one, but the side companies are huge in this business. If their quality is going down, then the Germans aren't gonna be buying their steel anymore. Well, who, who else produces steel? The United States. So Let me throw another one. Let me throw ahead. another one in there that's pretty critical. And we're getting into the weeds here a little bit, but it's important weeds we're getting into. You know, there's been a chip shortage for the last year right. or two right. that has resulted in a car shortage that has resulted in a lot of problems. I don't know where that shortage is coming from because I got chips all over my shoulder. Okay. Yeah, sorry. Uh, go, go ahead. Sorry, I had to. In order to produce chips, you have to have neon. 90% of the world's neon supply comes from Russia. 60% of the world's neon supply is purified by one company in Odessa, which is in Ukraine, which is getting smashed right now. This is, it's going, can we produce neon in the United States? Yes, but you have to drill for it separately. It's, uh, it's an underground gas like a lot of other things. Can we produce neon in the United States? Yes, but we don't have the capacity because it's been, frankly, a lot cheaper to buy it from Russia. The other side of it is, can we purify neon in the United States? We don't have the facilities. They have to be built. Um, there's a lot of big changes coming. But one of the things that I think all of us should expect, get ready for this. And we, we didn't really get deep into inflation. We could go on for several hours on that issue. Expect that things are going to be more expensive in the near future. It has nothing to do with politics. It has nothing to do with government funding. It has nothing to do with it has something to do with the covid pandemic right now but that's passing anytime you pay extra for bread you and you're going to pay extra for bread and you pay extra for fuel and you're going to be paying extra for fuel you already are think of it as a contribution to supporting ukraine and putting down russia because those sanctions that are hurting russia are going to be expensive to consumers in the united states Generally speaking, we can afford it, but don't the thing that Putin would love, and I actually have seen this start to happen, is blaming the other, whichever political party you're in, blaming the other political party for the high prices. Don't do it, because this, if you're doing so, you're basically supporting Putin. This is pure Putin doing this. This is, I mean, we have to respond. He's just taking a country. It's not because that country was aggressive to someone else. It's not because, nope, he just wants the wheat. And that's pretty clear. You know, when we invaded Iraq, they were literally at war with us already. This Saddam Hussein had said on television that the battle was over but not the war when his interview with Dan Rather before the invasion of Iraq. When you're attacked by someone that's not a government and there's a government that's at war with you, you kind of want to put those down. Now, whether or not they had weapons of mass destruction, knowing what we did at the time, it's a reasonable thing to invade a country, not to conquer it and keep its stuff, but to say, hey, stop shooting at us. And they were literally shooting at our no-fly zone airplanes on a daily basis. Move to Ukraine, there's 
there's just no reason except he wants it. And he can give the reasons that he wants. Well, they speak my language. Well, there are Americans that speak Russian. That doesn't mean that their house belongs to Russia. Uh, that's, that's not how this works. And that's really clear as a unified, we're talking about two-thirds of the world unified overnight. Uh, and one-third of the world is neutral on the subject. And then you've got Russia. Uh, that's that's a big deal. So the change that we're seeing now, you know, there had been a lot of talk during the pandemic of how much of this is permanent. What are we doing differently in our lives? Or we should we expect this forever? And we've said, well, this is going to depend on how habits change, and it could be a slow change, or maybe it's going to be permanent. It's really easy to look at what's just happened on the broad scale and say that's that's going to last a while. That's like decades. This is a new change. It's completely different. The order of the world has changed. I, re- I don't want to say a new world order because so many people have heard that to mean that somebody's in charge of figuring out how to make the new world order. It's just a new order in the way things are done. It's different now than it was last month. Massively different. And we should expect that to make some pretty big ripple effects. Most of those ripple effects to the United States long-term look really positive. Short-term, we're going to have high inflation this year. Just keep it in mind, that should be temporary. Do you want to say something before we wrap up? No, other than what I said earlier, which is stop blaming somebody in the United States for what Putin is doing. Right. Um, I am really unhappy to see that there's still people politically supporting Putin's moves, still politically blaming us for it, and that's bad, and we're out of time. Yeah. If you'd like to talk to us off the air, you can do so in lots of different ways, Um, but if you want us to actually hear it, there's more effective ways. Uh, You can email us directly. That's always a good one. Jeff or Jake at tpwc.com, as in thepersonalwealthcoach.com. You can go to our webpage, thepersonalwealthcoach.com. There's a contact us form that every other webpage has something like. You can sign up for our newsletters there. You can uh, listen to our radio programs going back lots of years. You can listen to bite-sized versions in the podcast form anywhere where podcasts are provided. Um, If you want to see our made for radio faces it's on our website uh we have a wonderful staff and then there's us um yeah so uh thank you very much for listening and if you have things you'd like us to talk about next week give us an email we appreciate it until next week this has been the personal wealth coach